Hi everyone, welcome to Zoomies, your dog podcast. I'm Adriana Milne, your local dog trainer from Pet Pals Dog Training, and thank you for joining me this afternoon on Radio Karen. Yesterday was a very special day for the Milne household. My young dog, Kelly, has just turned two years of age. What a journey has been. <laughs> That's been an incredible uh, two years of experiences for me and sharing Kelly with my husband, who is a very inexperienced dog person. So I'll tell you a few stories there, but I think it's a bit private. You know, I'll leave for another day. Um, we went to the doggy park. She played with friends. She loves playing soccer. We did um, a puppy cake for her. We had in, t- in touch with her little sister, Sadie, who lives on the other side of town. So we exchanged some photos. It was nice. You know, they still keep in touch with one another and sharing our Facebook posts. So our doggy chat today, we are going to have a little talk about some of the dog senses. Starting with vision. Dogs have poor binocular vision, but they have very good, very good lateral vision. They are able to recognize moving objects better than still objects. They see better at night, and they've got very limited color vision. In regards to hearing, they can localize sounds with greater accuracy, more than people. An upper limit of hearing of 60 to 65 kilohertz and touch. They can be calmed by touch. That's why dog massage can be so relaxing for your dog. And um, we will be talking more on the next segments about dog massage. But I practice regularly. And if you got what I call the impossible fingers, (laughs) very soft touch, you can actually get them to snore. You know, what a great way to bond with your dog. You can just set the tone, put nice relaxing music after the walkies, after everybody settles for the day in the evening in the household um, living room. Yeah, very good experience to do. On our next segment, we chat about microchipping your dog. We're going to do a little recap. Uh, we touch on some of the essentials for your dogs and uh, when you got a new puppy. So for pet identification, what actually is a microchip? is a silicon chip injected under the pet skin to permanently identify your pet. The identification number is recognized worldwide. So if your dog ever gets lost, it can be identified with a scanner at your local vet clinic. It is a permanent form of identification. After implanting it, your vet will register the microchip number with a national database that has 24-hour access. Okay, so your local council got microchipping days, and we talk about the Kingston Council just had one in April. And um, so if you didn't have a chance to do it at that time, just uh, contact your council and you look on the website, like for the Kingston, www.kingston.vic.gov.au, and you pay your fee. And then you renew it, okay? So, um, other aspect of identification in dogs, ID tags on the dog collars. Even after microchipping the dog, it is still very important to have another ID on your dog, like an ID tag on a dog collar. Advantage of a collar ID tag is that it allows immediate identification for any person who finds the pet. Without having to take the dog to the local vet for a scan, uh, if it's microchip. But tags and collars, if they are lost, is recommended that you buy another one. 
and you can buy additional numbers for whenever your dog might lose. I have to say, I used to operate a dog walking and pet sitting service, and I have found dogs wandering free on the streets. And if I was in a situation that I could help, I would stop my van, uh, clip, um, you know, a collar onto the a lid on the collar, and dot the the first time would be to see if there's a, a number on the an ID tag. So if there was, I would straight away call the person, and many times I was able to reunite the owner to their pet. Okay, and if in case I couldn't, I would call the local ranger for help so they could take to a, a proper place until the owner could claim the dog. Um, another aspect that I wanted to exchange some ideas with you it is in regards to just sexing your dog. And it can be done anytime uh, from eight weeks of age onwards. But honestly, eight weeks will be very young. Councils normally ask for 12 weeks onwards. Um, the most common age tends to be five to six months. And if you want to wait for longer, contact your vet and get a letter so you can present to council and justifying why would you want to wait longer. Dogs registered with Dogs Victoria, a lot of them are entire, and um, some people might want to breed for them, you know, dog breeding purposes, and they obviously don't need an exemption. Advantages of dissexing males. They are less likely to develop problems with the prostate gland, and the chance of developing of tumors in the testes will be eliminated. Reduction in roaming behavior. It reduces aggression of one male towards another, and it will reduce unwanted sexual behaviors such as mounting and a few other little things. <laughs> uh, females, humping, I would say. Females, she won't be able to breed anymore, so reducing the number of unwanted puppies, which could end up at the dog shelter, what you don't want. The female will be less likely to develop mammary carcinomas, breast cancer, as she ages, and she won't develop potential life-threatening infections of the reproduc reproductive tract. You won't have to worry about she being on heat anymore and uh, while taking the, her to the park and to the places where you have other dogs. So in doubt, ask your vet for prices and advice in the surgery procedure. Uh, my uh, Kelly got sexed about seven months of age. I personally thought I should have waited a bit longer. But there was some reasons involved. There was my wedding anniversary, you're going to go away, and there was no way I could um, board her on any place because they wouldn't take a, a female that was about to become on her first heat. So that was part of the, my decision to dissect her as um, six, seven months. But um, how did it go? It went well. The only aspect that the stitches didn't just solve completely. Um, and um, we have to take her to a second visit, and they remove the little stitches. But apart from that, she healed very, very well. So uh, we will be uh, going for a short break now. And um, we'll be back in a second after the radio announcements. You listening to Radio Karen. Oi, 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 oi. IGA is shopping nice. IGA, where the price is right. Seaford North IGA, for your groceries and liquor. IGA Express, there's nothing quicker. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Zoomies, your dog podcast on Radio Karen. I'm Adriana Milne. Now, we will be chatting about some dog events coming up in May. 
guess which one that's very, very, very famous and that people talk a lot in the TV and media gives incredible coverage is the Million Paws Walk. Happens every year, uh, sponsored by RSPCA, the whole Australia, and it will be happening on Sunday, the 28th of May. And which are the places where you can go and take your dog and attend such a lovely event? We, if you are in um, this area, like going to the Mornington Peninsula, you have at the Fred Smith Reserve that's located at Marina Parade, Hastings. And um, it's like you've got a lovely walk after you register, a two to four kilometer walk. You can bring your dog and it kicks off the walk at 11 a.m. The Hastings Fall Show, everybody go and get together, meet as a group, and they go on this great walk along the Hastings Fall Show. So from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Price, $25 adults, child, $12, concession, $20, family, $45. And uh, other one, the very famous one, happens around the Albert Park Lake. That one, the Pelican Lawn, 22 Orty Drive, Albert Park. Starts at 9 a.m., finishes at 2.30 p.m., and there's a lot of little stalls from different businesses and services that providers that uh, you can visit as well. Obviously, RSPCA will have a stall there. And they have the walk that kicks off around the Albert Lake at 11 a.m. Any further information and if you want to purchase tickets in advance, you go to the Million Pause Walk website. That is www.millionpausewalk.com.au slash Melbourne. And if you happen to be interstate and you love to attend one of these uh, Million Paws Walk, uh, every state in Australia has it happening as well. So you need to find the addresses online at this website that I just mentioned to you. Okay, so now we are going to talk about dog health and dog training tips for you. Okay, it's dog training tips time. So we will be talking about prohibited foods. You know, we just had Easter and, uh, you know, sometimes of foods that the dog should never touch. In case of Easter, I know it already happened, but keep in mind because everybody loves having a little snacky chocolate. Some people have every day, like my husband, and I hide the chocolates from him, but doesn't matter, he finds. And I say, I guess, well, I've got a dog at home. You can't just have this chocolate bar laying around the house <laughs> or in the lower shelf in the pantry. If Kelly sniffs, she loves food, she'll go for it. So chocolate has theobromine that's extremely toxic for animals. Dark chocolate is actually more toxic. After ingesting chocolate, the signs of chocolate poisoning in dogs are restlessness, agitation, vomiting, fast heart rate, fast breathing, seizures, and death from heart failure. So these signs are really, really serious. So bring the, jo- the dog to the, cho- <laughs> the dog to the cho- the dog to the vet as soon as possible. If the dog ate large quantities of chocolate, don't take any chances, guy. So all the prohibited foods for dogs: never feed your dog macadamia nuts, onions and garlic, pear pips, kernels of plums, peaches, apricot, apple core pips, potato peelings, and green-looking vegetables. Um, I have to say, exception, dogs can eat broccoli, cooked broccoli, uh, obviously let it cool down, and a bit of zucchini is okay. Rhubarb leaves, moldy or spoiled food. So your leftover food that has to be thrown on the bean, please do not give to your dog serious problems there. 
obviously alcohol. <laughs> yes, but some people might think it's a joke to give alcohol to a dog. No go there. East though, coffee or tea, tomato leaves and steams, raisins and grapes. And I think that are the main ones, okay, to keep in mind. Very, very dangerous. Um, then we were talking today another dog health topic, dog dental care. Tooth decay is actually very common in dogs. If your pet develops dental disease, not only are its teeth at risk, but also the res resulting bacteria infection and the pain that will make your pet very unwell. Check for any signs of bad breath and red inflamed gums. If any of this is present, please see your vet straight away. Prevention. Dry biscuits on a daily and a daily raw meat bone will help to keep your pet's teeth very clean and remove plaque that may develop. There are new f some new foods available, and um, one of the types is Hughes Science Diet, oral care for adult dogs, and there are other brands as well, premium foods for dental care. They have a specially formulated kibble to clean your pet's teeth by removing plague and tartar. And you can smell from your dog breath when things are not going well. So please take your dog to a vet for a, a check. And if you need to be referred to a teeth specialist, dog teeth specialist, so it be. And follow the recommendations. You can give your pet sometimes a pig's ear or raw carrot sticks to chew on, uh, both good for cleaning teeth, but don't overdo it. Keep in mind that a pig's ears, sometimes it can go down too quick. Just make sure, supervise and be there when you give one to see if safe first. And you can brush your pet's teeth with special pet toothbrush and paste. Um, my, when she did puppy school, we already introduced her straight away to the brush. And this is part of husbandry and cooperative care that's being very much taught nowadays for dog trainers and by the, the vet nurses at the vet clinics. Should be always, cooperative care should always be covered in a puppy school program. Uh, to make your vet visits much more easy in the future and for your daily husbandry at home of your pet. Feed your dog the right tip of bones, okay? Um, and uh, please ask advice for your vet, the best types of bones for your dog, because it depends on sizes, the, the animal size as well. So um, we are going to go for another very short break, and we'll be right back in a little while. And you're listening to Radio Karen. Come on, Freddy's Kitchen in Station Street for a coffee and something nice to eat. Yeah, the pizzas are great. In fact, all the food rates down at Freddy's. Karen Station Street. Come on, come on, come on, down to Freddy's now. Come on, come on, come on, down to Freddy's now. It's a pizza. It's a mystic pizza. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Zoomies, your dog podcast on Radio Karen. Now, I wanted to talk um, some fun stories from the time that I used to do a lot of pet sitting. Okay, don't forget, before I became a dog trainer, Pet Pals uh, was initially a pet sitting and a dog walking service. So I think one, one story was really something was actually beyond belief was quite ridiculous the extent that I went to it happened um, 
involving fish. <laughs> I know this is a dog podcast, but because there was a dog, a cat, and fish on the place in Gaspendale Gardens where I went to pet sit, um, the fish. Um, normally, when I went to pet sitting job, I always got all the details of the booking from the customer, wrote everything down, she showed me everything around, and this was a regular customer. But what happened at the time was that she had just got a new fish on the aquarium. It was a beautiful tropical aquarium, huge, absolutely gorgeous. But this uh, new fish, tropical that she introduced, was very like a little bully fish. And she had a small cyclic fish. And the fact is, they didn't get along well. So little did I know what was to come. So she went to Tropical Queensland with her family, great times. And I was um, had a phone number and everything. If I needed any advice, something, you know, guidance, or just to touch up base with her. And then suddenly, this tropical fish started really attacking the cichlid fish. Well, there was no way I could keep the cichlid in this aquarium, right? And what to do? I had to put on a container with the same water. Don't forget tropical. You just can't put on a, you know, so, uh, sweet water. You must prepare the water s- suitable for to maintain, otherwise it's going to die straight away. So I have to get some of that same water to put on a container and ask, okay, what do I do now? Couldn't get hold of her straight away. So I had to rush this fish to the aquarium in Menton and ask advice because... I couldn't leave you back. It's going to be killed. And I'm a pet sitter, right? And Adriana has gone through incredible extents to help animals. Right. So I have to keep this fish on the Menton Aquarium for a while, on a separate environment. And then it was okay for what was possible. After 10 days, I just couldn't keep forever. They're going to charge me a fee. With the advice of the, um, the owner then that I got hold of in Queensland, she said, well, we're going to have to keep separate. But there was no second aquarium. So I have to go and buy one. <laughs> I didn't have fish on my own, right? Here I go to save the fish. I go to another place, buy an aquarium, learn about how to treat the water. <laughs> I had no idea. I was a kid in the past when I had fish, okay, when I was a kindergarten. So I have to study how to get water, how to prepare the water, how to do water changes. The lady was away for five weeks. What I was going to do? So my husband just looked at me in disbelief because the fish didn't look very healthy. It was swimming like sideways. <laughs> have to be spoon-fed. <laughs> have to be spoon-fed because it wasn't... <laughs> Sorry, I'm cracking, like just remembering the ridiculous extent that I went to save the fish. But he managed, you know, it still lasted for about 10 days. <laughs> <laughs> half dead <laughs> until it was just no way and then Tiona gets back to me Adriana you know what I would have done if I was you I would have put on the, fro- the freezer so you have died peacefully and just flush from the toilet you know and get rid of this thing okay <laughs> thank you for telling me now after I went through all this anyhow it was an experience and the poor little thing got buried was nicknamed Nemo and got buried on my backyard and then what I was to do with all this tank and this water and it's not easy guys to learn how to do this water change because you can't just change the whole thing you have to learn how to do little by little if you change too much you risk the fish dying <laughs> that was my story about Nemo and oh, that was my husband just gosh Adriana never touch fish ever again thank you okay that was the fun one now on the um, there's a little serious note a personal story it is about a pet but it's not a dog but because a lot of you who have dogs actually sometimes have horses as well and I happened that I was a horse person for a lot of my life good part of my life 
is the story of James, my horse. James was another believable story. That's real. Because James um, lasted until he was 29 years of age. And he was uh, a previous steeplechaser. Okay, I wanted him for jumping because I used to show jump in Brazil. So then what happened with James was this lovely farm where he was in Cranbourne South. I had my two horses, was Bounty, the stock horse, and James, the thoroughbred. Very big horse. But what happened one summer, a few years back, about five, five years, no, ten years ago, when we had about three or four days of 40-something degree heat, James had a heart attack. And I didn't know at the time that this happened. We had the dogs there, the farm dogs, and James. Um, and what happened then? What do you do? He wasn't well. He was just wobbly, and I came to feed him, and I could see that something has gone on. Um, the reason I'm trying to go even talking about horses, you're going to get the point very soon. So I called the vet, tried as much as I could, and it was heartbreaking for me because he couldn't access the whole paddock. We have, like, like huge trees, and um, this tree, there was a ditch, and I had to just suddenly create a private paddock within this whole environment and put the water trough there, fill every day, go to the local stock feed, buy hay for James because he couldn't access and walk all around for grass. I was there every day, twice a day, feeding in the heat. So after a while, you know, there was one day that I went to feed him and he rode and you could see that the horse was almost asking to go. And it was heartbreaking because I got James when he was 12 years of, of age, so I had kept him for 17. And I was just about to float him with Bounty, the stock horse, up the road there, where there was a lovely farm. Uh, they had more horses, but there was no way he would be able to be loaded on a float. So when I saw the day that he rode and it was almost like, look at me, and it was just a sign. It was like almost he was asking to be let go. So the decision have to be taken. Obviously, I call the vet. I have to book everything advanced. So that evening was one of the hardest in my life because I got home. I have to prepare the excavator. There was a gentleman that I knew that had a huge excavator. I have to then ask permission because I had signed the lease agreement with the farm adjustment owner that I were allowed to bury James in the premises because I knew having an old horse, one day it could happen. So it was all agreed on. But then... I have to ask permission to actually do such date, to liaise with the vet, excavator to be present, my husband to be with me because I was going to be an emotional wreck. So all these lined up uh, and then the, the fatal morning comes. So it was very hard. So when then I was with him until the last breath, he got to have his favorite food, pear, very juicy pears. He loved it. So I was there until the end. Then I, when the moment came to put on the hole, they had to be extremely deep. I just didn't want to see. I just walked to the side. My husband was there. The excavator did the job. But we cover, and I still pay a gizmo for the next probably two, three months because I wanted to be sure that everything was covered up with grass, was settled, you know, the, the space. But that, then the hard part comes because while the anniversary, the first, second anniversary happened, the owners of the, this place, the beautiful home with the paddock beside, were still living there. But then they broke up. And then what do I do? I just wanted to visit James' grave um, on the following years, his anniversary, or maybe twice a year. And how do I find the, the new owners of the place? So I contacted the real estate and then decided to drop a letter. And the reply was the worst I could ever imagine. Because the reply came... Uh, Nobody, I don't want anybody to come. The person doesn't live here. And, uh, you know, this is a private farm. Tell me then where the site is. 
I said, no go. I'm not telling you a James Barry because if you're not animal people, you're not going to understand. And the reason I'm a mom wants to visit um, their pet grave for me is a pet, you know, 29 years of age. Um, and then the personal assistant of the far farm person who owned the property calls me. I don't want you to ask anymore. The owner doesn't want anyone to come here. Otherwise, he's going to call the police on you. So I was just heartbroken, okay, because I wish I had cremated. That's where I'm trying to get to you now. I wish I had cremated James, but there was absolutely no way because he had an accident. He could not have floated somewhere where he would be put down and then you can give to the cremation service. So there was no way. The only way were two choices there. Bury on the premises that, um, oh, yeah, it was a high cost, but doesn't matter. I agree, the, the adjustment manager, the the, the agree with or to give to the necri and personally there's no way that a horse of mine would ever go to the necri if i had a choice so that was a sad story it was a gorgeous place in cranberry south very deep on the bush a big acreage even liar birds would pass there it was heaven i at least i know he's um well in a place you know that i consider the best possible scenario but i cannot go there to visit james and i had just had to let it go because uh, even though it breaks my heart um, I couldn't even tell where the place was. Can you imagine these people go crazy and just decided to just remove him from there? No, that wasn't going to happen. And then when Bounty, my stock horse, died uh, five years ago, uh, it happened two weeks after my mom passed of pancreatic cancer. And I happened to bury him as well on the adjustment in Bang Home. And at least this one I can uh, visit. And But I have to say James was my first horse in Australia. And um, yeah, I'll never forget him, but at least he's resting in peace. So now we're going, trying to go and move on a happier note, and we're going to have a tiny break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Radio Karen. Hi, I'm Dr. Floyd Gomes, uh, aka Atticus Health with Dr. Floyd, you might recall, and it's great to be here at Radio Karam. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Zoomies, your dog podcast on Radio Karen. And now for your dog breed profile today, we have the Boxer. The Boxer, temperament. The Boxer is a happy, high-spirited dog, playful, curious and energetic, highly intelligent, eager and quick to learn. But it can be quite stubborn at times. Bones very closely with the family. A properly socialized Boxer will get along with children if introduced to them while a puppy. Some females don't get along with other females in the household. The name Boxer came from the way the boxer likes to use its front paws for just about everything. <laughs> the boxer's nature can be sometimes protective of you, your family, of your home. Boxers need lots of human companionship. Teach a boxer not to jump on people. This breed have a, a wide use in military and police work. Training should start young, and please be consistent, and all your family members should be that as well can be an excellent watchdog. So the colors of the boxer, you have fawn, brindle, white, and various shades of red with some white markings. White boxers cannot be registered with some kennel clubs. Some of the health problems they may have uh, later in life 
heart problems, can be prone to skin allergies, sometimes prone to epilepsy and hip dysplasia. From age on, onwards, they are more likely to get some tumors than other breeds. And they tend to droop and snore quite a bit. <laughs> Exercise. They are very active breeds, need to be taken on long, brisk walks daily, enjoy fetching a ball and other sessions of play. Living conditions. A boxer do best in temperate climates, and the breed can chew easily in cold weather and have trouble cooling off in very hot weather. Don't forget to get a little, wear, um, little jacket, winter jacket, uh, for them at winter time. Life expectancy, 11 to 14 years. The coat, uh, short hair coat, easily to groom. And boxers are very clean and groom themselves like cats. The origin of the boxer is Germany. The Australian Kennel Club divide the boxer breed into the utility group. And originally, boxes were used for bull baiting, hunting, and pulling carts. So now we arrive to the end of our show today. And thank you for listening to our podcast, Zoomies. And please send us some ideas of subjects you like us to cover here. You can email our station, Radio Karen, at info at radiocaron.org. Um, and very soon we're going to have some interviews for you on the next podcast and see you next time and have a great fun weekend with your dogs please guys okay take them to lots of places don't just go around the block take them to places have fun take them out and about okay see you next week and bye <laughs>